Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Middle of the week, Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday. Good to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. So whether you're a farmer or you're just looking to build a dream house or maybe buy a piece of property uh, that is recreational in nature, let Mississippi Land Bank, if you're in North Mississippi, help you with all of your needs. Again, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Obviously, I wasn't with you yesterday, but uh, I was able to listen to part of the show as you guys were at the C Spire Connerly Trophy presentation. Borky, uh, I don't think a big surprise that Kylan Hill was named the winner of that award last night and uh, as the SEC's leading rusher in 2019, certainly felt like it was deserving. Yeah, and we kind of knew that. We knew that uh, going into it. What I did not know is that uh, one guy we were praising for being a dual sport athlete was actually one of two identical twins, and they combined their two stats together. And we were bragging on a two sport athlete being up for the Connerly Trophy from Mississippi College. Turns out uh, that the Hall of Fame uh, thought that Dietrich and Derek were the same guy. So we had fun with that yesterday. <laughs> Will told me about that earlier today. Uh, said you uh, you played it off well, though. Uh, Mom and Dad got a lot uh, lot to be proud of with those two guys, right? And they brought them both, which makes it even funnier to me. I like it. Uh, hey, Dad, what's up? Wednesday, middle of the week. you got a few days off coming up as well, right? I'm, I'm in full vacation mode. I'm not going to say much. I'm just going to, you know, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, that, that, that's no, today is not actually a vacation day for you. That starts tomorrow. Are you going to do yeah, anything you, fun? You know how it goes that, that first day? No, I'm not doing anything. I'm just staying around the house. I have the days, though, so I might as well take them. There you go. You're just going to, like, sit around and play Fortnite for a week? I don't play Fortnite. I play FIFA. Ah, there you go. So you're going to play a lot of video games. There'll be some video games, but I'll also be doing a little bit of work. I'm covering uh, the Mississippi State game tomorrow night. I'll do my podcast next week. We won't have any more pods uh, this week, but I-, I won't do a little bit of work. I just won't be on the show. All right, so you're taking five days off, right? Yeah. So that includes through the weekend. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So that's a total of seven days where you won't be on the radio. If I put the over-under... On the number of times you will walk outside of your home during those seven days at 20, should, should I take the over or the under? Well, I go for a walk every day, so there's seven. That's uh, seven. 
I got to take my kids to. I take a kid to school every morning. There's 14, or there's a, there's five more. So there's 12. Yeah. Uh, I'll sh- I'll go shopping for food. Yeah, you should take the over. But not by a lot. No, I'll, I'll get over. I'll be over. Good for you. Hope you uh, enjoy a little bit of uh, time off. Um, certainly, what we anticipated the outcome was going to be yesterday for the uh, C Spire Connerly Trophy. And my question with Kylan Hill, has he played his last game in a Mississippi State jersey, or do you anticipate he's back for his senior season? I, well, I asked him. I asked him that yesterday at the uh, at the uh, event. Uh, he said he had not come to any kind of decision. He's going to wait till after the bowl game uh, to make that decision. If I had to guess, and that's what, what it would be, I would say he's probably leaning towards going because as a running back, you know, you know, this is the the analogy I made yesterday on the show that. You're sort of like a, a car. There's only so many miles on the engine, and you know once that thing goes, it just goes. And uh, and you know, quarterbacks and a lot of other players can play into their mid 30s, but running backs, you know, when they hit 30, that's usually the uh, the end of the day for them. So, how many more free carries do you want to give up? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think right now he probably leaned to going pro, but you never know. Yeah. Uh, busy day for you yesterday, Rippy. Uh, you're there for the first couple of hours of the show, then hustle back to uh, Oxford to the Pavilion. Three segments. What? Three segments. I was there three, six, three twenty, three thirty seven. Okay, so you were there for the first hour of the show, uh, and then hustle back for uh, basketball last night. Ole Miss drops one against Butler. They have lost three of their last four. All three of the teams that they've lost to are either top 25 when they played or about to be top 25 teams. Uh, High-level takeaway from last night's ballgame. Uh, Kamar Baldwin's really good, and Ooh. they still stink offensively. Yeah. Uh, Ole Miss not making shots. They were a little better in the second half than they were in the first half of the game. In the 14 halves of basketball that Butler had played prior to last night, they had given up 30 points and a half only twice. They were a pretty good defensive team, and when you combine that with Ole Miss's offensive woes over the last uh, week and a half, couple of weeks, not a great recipe for getting a win against a good team. No, not at all. Um, but, again, Butler's really good. Butler was much better than Ole Miss was last night. Probably a better, not probably, definitely a better team at this point, so... I don't know. A lot of young, new pieces uh, still trying, kind of trying to figure out. Stretch's not going to kill him, but yeah, not good. Kamar Baldwin had 31 in the game last night for uh, for Butler. That was one off of his career high. It was better than the 27 that he had as a season high uh, coming into the game last night. He was really impressive. Um, where will he rank when you get to the end of the year? in terms of just individual guys that have the ability to take over a game, there won't be many that are more gifted, certainly combined with experience, as he's a senior, that they'll face for the rest of the year. Is that accurate? Um, I mean, in, not, in not, terms not, of score, yeah, yeah, probably. Not, not to say that they won't face more talented players along the way, because he's not super tall. And he's not the necessarily the quickest guy, but he's able to get a shot pretty much whenever he wants, and he made a bunch of shots in that game. I, I guess I'm just kind of thinking, okay, if you want to take a player off Kentucky, that's fine. And you might have a Kentucky guy go for 31, but there are other options. He was the guy. Everybody in the gym knew he was getting the ball every time the shot clock was winding down. 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure they'll face someone quite like that in the SEC, or at least no one really comes to mind off the top of my head. Um, but probably the most underrated player in the Big East. Could very well be. And he was uh, preseason first-team All-Big East at uh, at that. Got a bunch to get to this afternoon uh, with you. Lots going on. Of course, we'll talk about the Ole Miss coaching search. There are names that are floating around, and yet you don't know how real the names are. Talk a little bit more about Kylan Hill, Ole Miss, and their basketball game last night. New college football playoff poll comes out last night, and Borky, you say people are still mad? Uh, yeah, for a few reasons. Uh, most especially because Alabama dropped a bunch of spots. They're now number 12 behind Auburn, which, by the way, I called yesterday. I knew yeah. they weren't going to yeah. make an access bowl, and they're not going to make an access bowl, which I find hilarious. I don't know why. But also, this Utah thing being ahead of Oklahoma and Baylor, does that mean there's nothing the Big 12 can do to get ahead of Utah? So there's just a lot of wheels churning right now. And then the Big 10 is getting a lot of credit from the committee. Where the Big 10 teams are ranked compared to their resume and record is not conspicuous. That's a little absurd. But it's interesting. The committee seems to really like the Big 10 as opposed to the SEC and other conferences. Feinbaum had a classic, uh, I mean, I guess the show was pretty on brand too, rant on Get Up, basically saying Utah's not getting in over Oklahoma because no one wants to watch Utah, which is like one of the primary reasons I have trouble taking this sport seriously. If he ends up being right, too, it's just kind of a travesty. Yeah, it was... I heard somebody say earlier, Paul what Feinbaum if, has be, uh, Feinbaum has become one of his callers. What if we had watched national debate shows where someone was like, no one wants to watch the Buffalo Bills, they shouldn't be in the playoffs, that it actually had influence, and then it ended up working? Seems pretty silly. Do you really believe that he has influence by making that statement? No, but I believe he's not the only one that thinks that way, and I believe it's subjective enough to happen instead of, you know, I don't know, qualifying for the playoffs. It says nobody wants to watch Utah. Why? Because they're Utah. That's literally exactly what he said. I don't know if you saw the clip. Yeah. No, I absolutely did. Yeah, that was very br- maddening to me. Absolutely brilliant. At least everybody else is now seeing the more he gets a platform on ESPN, the less he knows. He's awful. I'm not, I'm not going to go down that road. But it, that take was very maddening and very very lazy in my opinion and was just like everything that's wrong with this whole system two southeastern conference quarterbacks are not are now in the transfer portal one of them is looking at uh, perhaps the nfl looks like eli manning is going to start for the giants on monday night daniel jones dealing with a high ankle sprain and so it's not all over yet for uh, eli manning Take a peek at the NFL's playoff pictures. We get later and later into the season and a whole lot more. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. We are glad to have you along on this Wednesday afternoon. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Yeah! Tis the season, Borky! I don't care that it's early. It's Christmas time. It is. We're 21 days from Christmas. Three weeks from today. What's uh Not too early? Yeah, don't, don't talk like that. Never too early. What what what's uh what's little man? What's his first Christmas gonna look like? 
Oh, he he has no idea. Just like everyone else, eating poop. <laughs> I, I understand that he has no idea. What does that have to do with the question that I ask you about what his Christmas is going to look like? Well, uh, sadly, it'll be mostly spent on the road. Going to see family. Yeah, we're going to have to leave Christmas Day, which, again, he has no idea, but um, I don't know yet. I don't know what you get a two-month-old for Christmas, because I know my wife's going to want to get him something and wrap it and put it under the tree, even though, I mean, he is still like just now learning how to grab, so even getting him to tear up wrapping paper is uh, not really going to happen. So I don't know what we're going to do. This how, this is easy, man. How do you road trip with a kid that age? Like you, that's too young for a car seat, right? Oh no! Think you bring you kids they, home from a how do you think they get home from the hospital, Rippy? That's what I'm asking. Like, is it, they're like, yes, oh. you put them in a car seat, but not like a. It's not like the sitting up car seat. You're too young for that at that point. Oh right? no! It's it's um. <laughs> lands and like puts them in the front yard uh, no it's so the the carriers that they that you put kids in rippy the, the the carriers yeah the one the stork uses yes in a way no um uh it, it actually fits into an attachment that you you strap into your back seat so they can lay down comfortably and uh, that was the answer i was looking for thank you borky Safe travels, by the way, to you and your son. There, there is an upright car seat, and then there's the car seat that you turn around that is rear facing, that is more of a reclining car seat in which they just lie there, and you hope that they go to sleep. Doesn't always happen that way, which makes the traveling a little less fun. Yeah, I mean, I figured changing diapers on the move isn't, isn't quite a swell either. No, you you generally pull off or go to a rest stop or gas station or somewhere and pull them out, and change their diaper, and. I guess if you don't like time management, I feel like that could be done back there. It could, if you're okay with the That's idea risky. of pulling a two-month out of this. Yeah, I, <laughs> yes, I suppose it is risky business, but if you like the idea of pulling a two-month-old out of the car seat, setting them on the back seat, changing their diaper while going 80 miles an hour on the interstate, or 85 in your case, Rippy, um, then, yeah, you're a fast driver, then you be my guest. Make it more of a game. Jeez. <laughs> I guess I guess Russian roulette is a game also. It doesn't necessarily mean it's one we want to play. Oh my god. Someone's dying here. This might be stained. The issue is not whether or not you, you get the child on the out seat of, the of your car. It, while you're driving. No. That's not but there's how two life works. both of y'all aren't both Borky and Mrs. Borky are not driving. The The, the car again, is moving. It's a safety issue. Fair enough. A 30-year-old is more equipped to handle a, a, the unexpected car accident than a two-month-old, which is why you keep them strapped in while the vehicle's moving. You're, you're on board with this or not so much? You want to go back to the 70s when people just held their babies in the car when they were on a road trip? There's some other aspects about the 70s I might go back to. I don't know about that one, but... Uh, Graduating from that to hot take, someone said Kermit has lost by around 30 or over 40 to unranked teams in his last 10 games. Is the honeymoon over in Oxford? Hey, here you go. This is uh, nine last night, and the team was ranked. The rear-facing car seat. That's a pretty sweet setup. The bigger kid in this picture looks like he kind of got shafted. Like he wants, <laughs> she wants in on that action. Yeah. 
You want us to see if uh, for your next family road trip you go and we can find some sort of a seat that you can if I can lay down in rear facing. Yeah, and have people change me and just not have to move the whole time. I'm good. <laughs> Tomorrow's travel. <laughs> That's such a bad mental picture all of a sudden. Uh, By the way, the C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395, C Spire, customer-inspired. Morky, the original question was what you're getting your two-month-old son for Christmas. I uh, haven't I, thought that he, far ahead, to tell you the truth. Okay, it's three weeks from today. Uh, that's number one. And uh, number two... Um, you're really considering being the guy that goes, he's two months old. What difference does he care? No, like, I, you're okay with that, aren't you? Uh, I think that's what I hear from you. No, no, I'm not okay with it. I, I'm going to get into it. I know I am. I just know deep down he doesn't know. Like, I could give him a banana, and he wouldn't care. You might choke on that. Be careful. Oh, yeah, yeah. he's not on solid food for a while. We. Uh, yeah. Yes, I know how it works, yeah. Oh, do you? Uh, if I had asked that, y'all would have asked, like, acted like I was some kind of nutritionist that should have known that. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Borky, yes, get, sir. The, uh, get the Fisher-Price colorful ring tower that's got, like, Can't the five different size rings on Can't it. Can't go wrong with that. And get him some sort of a soft football, although not one that's stuffed with the stuffing because inevitably he'll, he's going to chew on it when he gets teeth and eat that, and you don't want to do that. Fair enough. Sounds good to me. Give some more of those PPTPs also. Oh, that doesn't work. We've had to upgrade Not to just dropping a, uh, a full-on like baby wipe just across his complete waist because those things don't stay on. And even if they do stay on, they just you know fly right off. David in Indianola actually has a really cool idea for you. He says, get your two-month-old the best gift ever that will last a lifetime. Get him a lifetime hunting license from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. He says it's the best kit, uh, gift that he ever got his two kids. And give it to him when he's 16. He will appreciate it then. Oh, wow. Because you don't have to have a license before you're 16. Right. So that's a really cool idea. It's a great idea. If you think you're going to be in Mississippi long term. Well, that depends, Richard. If my checks keep clearing from you, then I will. Wait, I signed your checks now? It's not what mine said. I missed that, uh, missed that memo. I uh, missed that memo. Y'all are so Kylan paid? Hill. I used to not get paid, and somehow I worked that out. Hey, that's our resident Milton Waddams. It's fine. <laughs> well played. I just, you know, my stapler. Um, move your office to the... To the basement. Oh, God. Kylan Hill wins the Connerly Trophy Award last night as the best college football player in the Magnolia State. It's presented every year by C Spire. It's been awarded to the top player in the state of Mississippi for 24 years. Ninth time a Mississippi State player has won the award. Uh, Kylan Hill joins Jeff Simmons, Dak Prescott, who won it twice, Gabe Jackson, Chris White, Anthony Dixon, Jarius Norwood, and J.J. Johnson as the other Mississippi State players to claim the uh, the Connerly Trophy. Last night, Kylan Hill said it's really special. Growing up as a kid, this is an award every Mississippi athlete should want to win. I'm honored and thankful. I know the other finalists are all great athletes. For me to win, it's a compliment. Won the fan vote, which was uh, 10% of the official tally. 
and then won the uh, the media scout vote as well. Um, j- just some thoughts on Kylan Hill and his career, hey, Dad, at Mississippi State. Well, if, if it's if he's only got one game left, he's he's definitely one of the greatest running backs in Mississippi State history. If he returns for a senior year, he will be the greatest running back in Mississippi State history. I would I would go so far as to predict that. Uh, he only needs I think it's like seventy yards to break Anthony Dixon's single season rushing record uh, f- for this year. Um, you know, you think about last year and how much on this very show I complained that gosh, you got to put the ball in that guy's hands. He's a playmaker. He he can do things for you. This year sort of, you know, bared that out for me, and uh, he's shown you what he can be. It's interesting, though. We were talking about it on, on the Thunder and Lightning podcast. I'll ask you now. He's not going to be first-team All-SEC, is he? Do they take two running backs? Yeah, but Swift and, and Edwards-Hilaire probably get that, right? Yes. So, yeah, he'll probably be second-team. But, I mean, that just shows you. Do, do you agree with that, that those two should be in front of him? Let me, let's see where the season numbers finish. I think that because they both have the extra game, and it could end up having two extra games in Edward Solaire's spot, um, that if he's a leading rusher in the SEC, he or should three. be the first thing. Yeah, yeah. He, I think if he's the leading rusher, so if he goes out against, I don't know who stays playing in the bowl game, but if he has a 250-yard day and he, he puts some distance between himself and those other two and he ends up being the leading rusher in the SEC, he should probably be the first team All-SEC back. I, I, it just that just makes sense to me. But I agree with you. He will be a second team All SEC player. Yeah. What bowl game do you think Mississippi State's going to? I'm predicting uh, Music City as of today. Okay. And really, the options are what Texas, Texas Bowl, Liberty, Liberty Bowl, Music City, probably. Belk is like a really, really dark horse. Okay. We'll see. What about the coaching search at Ole Miss? There are names that are floating around. Obviously, Mike Norvell's name is at the top of the list. What about other names? Now, you guys talked about it some yesterday. We will continue to talk about it until a new head coach is named in Oxford. But first, we will take a timeout. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Should Ole Miss hire a football coach that has a propensity to take his shirt off? Rippy, that seems to be the question that is on your mind today. What on earth could we be talking about? I didn't necessarily think that has to be a quality that Keith Carter's looking for in a coach. <laughs> but uh, like, if you are a shirt-off guy, I do have some thoughts on like what makes you shirt-off guy. Okay, so a few years ago, Ed Ogeron was shirt-off guy. That was the whole Wild Boys rip the shirt off. Willing to, I think that was more about some wires getting crossed in his brain a long time ago. Okay. So Will Healy is who you're talking about now, who is the 34 year old head football coach at Charlotte. Charlotte, a program that is six years old. And so, so what was the celebration? Don't I actually don't know, but there's a video going around that he's on top of some elevated surface celebrating bow eligibility. Uh, and to your point, clearly he wasn't a tried out shirt off. Uh, well played. I don't know if this is in a locker room or this is some kind of public establishment. It's honestly really hard to tell, but uh, high energy, I would say. He's got the mascot head on, doesn't he? He does. That makes you so. think it's the locker room, right? Because unless you're taking the mascot head out in wherever they hang That's out in Charlotte, L- long pants, 
no shirt, wearing the mascot head, and it looks like kind of a um, rave room scene. Yeah. Lights are out, flashing lights going. Is it bad camera or is it like bad camera work or is it smoky in there? That's why I didn't. No, understand. I think they've got a smoke machine going too for the celebration. Okay, they went full out on the celebrate bowl eligibility thing. On a slightly more serious note, obviously Will Healy having a good time with his football team. Nine times out of ten, that's a solid move, though. Everyone's happier when the guy's got his shirt off. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Were you shirt-off guy? No, I was not shirt-off guy. I can't pull that move. Either got to just be, like, jacked or uh, kind of larger. Because, like, if you're right. jacked, you're Wait, what's the science behind... Me. Say what? what, hey, Dad? That's good knowledge for me. Just larger. I can, I can pull that off. I mean, if you're jacked, you're obviously showing off that, you know, you do arms and legs. And... If you're larger, you're just kind of letting it all show out. Like, I don't care about anything. I'm so euphoric. The shirt's coming off. And and you told me a minute ago that you think life is better when you've got big guy no, no, shirt no, no, off. No, no, no. I said there's, I think there's a chemical in people's brain that when they see just someone really jolly with their, like, jolly, like, larger guy with their shirt off, it strikes some kind of, like, jolly. Like, have you ever seen anyone, big guy with his shirt off celebrating and being like, I hate that. I'm mad. I see it every I day. Out of the shower. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. I took a turn. <laughs> it did take a turn. Hey, Dad. I don't know where we were going. About large guys, shirtless. Here I am, rocky like a hurricane. Still testing that theory. When's uh, the last time you ripped your shirt off and waved it around above your head? Never in life. I don't think. Never. No, nah, I've never. I've never. I've never done. Not in public. Not on. Not that I can recall. That could be your go-to move on the dance floor. Hey, Dad. Yeah. That could be it, Richard. You're right. I don't think you're buying it. I'm not, not. buying what I'm selling. When am I on the dance floor is the first question I have. Well, now you have a reason to. All right. You've now got a go-to signature move. Rippy, I'm coming to Oxford this weekend. We're hitting the library. Let's go. Sounds good. We can test it out. I guarantee you everyone will be happier after it happens, or as it's happening, than they were before. I don't, I don't disagree. There you go. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. On a, as I was saying a moment ago, slightly more serious note, Will Healy. It's a name that is floating around in the Ole Miss, Arkansas, Missouri, probably not Florida State coaching rumor world. What do we need to know about Will Healy? Austin P. was a disaster when he got that, and he turned them into an FCS playoff team. He was one of the youngest coaches in all of college football, second or third youngest in all of college football this season at 34. Um, considered to be a pretty good young offensive mind. Does that do anything for you? Borky, does that do anything for you? Uh, truthfully, no, not really. I, I mean, you hear what people say about how he's like the, the second coming of P.J. Fleck and I mean, taking Charlotte to its first bowl game ever cannot be looked at at all except for a really good coaching job and a positive thing. But doesn't it give you pause or shouldn't it give you pause that uh, this is a guy that has not at any level at all coached in the Power Five, let alone the SEC? And even though if you're a good enough coach, you'll figure it out, but it's a really different game coaching in the SEC West, recruiting in the SEC West, building a staff in the SEC West, than it is at Austin P and at Charlotte, who didn't have a program but for a few years ago. 
the flip side of that argument would be, and you're definitely not wrong, but it would be that you're kind of like that's the kind of high risk, high reward, and with that risk, you're getting a guy that's going to, as you put it, I think earlier in the week, win the press conference and sell tickets, yeah. which is something that has to factor in the Ole Miss thing. And like the risk here you're taking is Borky, like Borky said, the lack of inexperience. But you go from zero and eleven to eight and four at Austin P, and then get a team to uh, their first bowl. I know it's only six years ever, you're probably doing something right. And I'm not disagreeing. You could, again, totally different beast, but like the gamble you're taking, the plus side of it, is that you're getting a guy before everyone else was on him, yeah, and yeah. he's a rising star, or whatever people let, analogy you want to use. Let me ask this question. I mean, one of the phrases that Keith Carter used in his press conference on Monday was the realization that apathy had set in. So part of apathy is not buying season tickets including student tickets this year. And and this number is not exact. This is a number that was out there before the season began. So if you're the Ole Miss ticket manager and I'm off by a couple of thousand, forgive me. But let's say the season ticket number this year sold was 38,000, including about 8,000 student tickets. We can go back to my survey. Yeah, I would do that. And... Assuming that that number would have gone down again this year, if Ole Miss had not made a coaching change to whatever thirty-five or whatever, there's some baseline that you're just going to sell regardless. I'm going to give you four names. You tell me in order who sells the most new season tickets to get Ole Miss back in the forty-five to forty-eight thousand range. Mike Norvell, Lane Kiffin. Billy Napier, for argument's sake, Will Healy. I think it's hard to decipher Lane versus Norvell because Norvell is like the polished, ready guy, whereas Lane is Lane. I think they'd both be about equally, maybe. I don't know. I, that, to me, hard to discern, and then I'd go Healy and then Napier. It, wouldn't you it think be Napier Kiffin? sells the fewest additional season tickets? I'm putting too much too much on his personality um maybe okay. like that guy comes in and wins the press conference um no well wasn't Hugh Freeze that way that. Richard I mean all the way back it's been a long time now but when Hugh Freeze was hired in 2011 there were much bigger names that were floated out there kind of like in this situation with Will Healy but then he gave that family speech at the press conference, and everybody was like, okay, this guy's the best. We're all in. So w- wouldn't that be kind of hard to gauge until... Maybe so. Because I think Lane Kiffin would be the guy that would sell you the most t- tickets, give you the most credibility right away. You would be a national story. Your spring practice would be covered more than it ever has been recruiting, you would have instant credibility. And I think especially the under 40 crowd, Ole Miss fans and and students as well, would be all in on that dude from day one. Hey, what do you think from your perspective? Those four names, who who do you think as a Mississippi State fan kind of watching this, or, or a guy that covers Mississippi State, both of those are true, watching this from a distance, of those four names, who would you think gives Ole Miss fans the most excitement just right out of the gate? Lane Kiffin. That, that, that's the guy that I would I would think for, from a splash, because nationally you'll get a ton of positive 
press. Everybody loves the guy. Um, you know, and he and he's a successful football coach. He understands how to coach offense. Both quarterbacks, who you know, Plumley or Corral, I, I think he can find ways to win with both of those guys. So, not necessarily a situation they would probably want to go through the spring. You you might not lose one. I don't think you're going to lose Plumley, but Corral, if he was going to transfer out, he might stick the spring out to see what happens offensively. Uh, okay, let me read some of these responses on the C Spire text line. We'll do that when we come back, because a lot of reaction from you. And, and and I'm really interested in fan reaction. So if you're an Ole Miss fan, C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Or, for that matter, if you're a Mississippi State fan kind of watching this from afar, who's the guy that makes Ole Miss fans the most excited from day number one. Interested to hear what you think. Sports Talk Mississippi and the Renaissance Bank Studio. More coming up. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Let's go to the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Question on the table, who is the coaching candidate name that is floating out there. And the four most prominent names, Mike Norvell, Lane Kiffin, Billy Napier, Will Healy. Maybe there's some others floating around. Those seem to be the four that are being talked about the most right now. Which one of those names gets you the most excited? If you have been out on buying tickets and going to games, would get you back in. So... Some of your responses. So you mean the real question is, who would make Mississippi State fans say, if Cohen would have fired Joe Moorhead, we could have hired that guy instead of Ole Miss? I guess that's a different way to ask the same question. Here's a response. First for me would be Norvell. I understand the infatuation with Kiffin, but I'd rather go with one of the Power 5 offensive coordinators like Brad Scott at Clemson, Graham Harrell at Southern Cal, Chip Long at Notre Dame. Napier, probably not the most exciting, but I think he would be solid and can steadily build the program back up. Um, William in Greenville says Mike Leach. With the hiring a coordinator thing, I... I... You know, we were talking about season tickets and splash hire and stuff, but it's not as if Lane Kiffin's some kind of a bum as a coach and just a sexy name. You, I think you have a higher hit rate with Lane Kiffin than any coordinator you could possibly hire. I mean, people, I've had multiple people tell me that, well, look at what Kiffin did at Tennessee. I mean, the team he took he was there over. One year. He was there one year and won seven games. If you remember, had Alabama beat, last second field goal got blocked. I mean, that was a good coaching job that year. Tennessee was in a world of hurt, and he took them to a bowl game in year one. He just left. And then when he went to Southern Cal, he had NCAA sanctions that were worse than what Ole Miss was dealing with. That, that's what he took over. He had to sign 15-player recruiting classes because of the Reggie Bush thing that happened before he got there. And now he won a championship. Wasn't Ed on on Lane Kiffin's staff at Tennessee? He, yes. yes, he was. Isn't that the moment where famously Lane Kiffin turned to Ed Ogeron on the sideline after another one of Dexter McCluster's runs and said, get me one of those? <laughs> the uh, 
The leech thing would have been more palatable and more likely in 17 when it was a much less attractive job. But, like, at this point is, to borrow a phrase, is Bob and Bogachetta going to be happy when the team is 4-6 and six and Leach is talking about, you know, pirates stabbing bears and stuff? That would be an issue. A lot of responses here. Um, Leach would have won with less and when that job was least attractive with all the sanctions and stuff in 17. I think that window's probably passed. So this is Donald in Oxford, who's a Mississippi State fan. He says, is this about the best coaching, or the best coach, or selling tickets? One of the Vault Society boosters texted me earlier today that said, give me Lane Kiffin and inject it into my veins. <laughs> okay. I want Kiffin. That's Bo from Biloxi. Richard and Wigan says, I've been saying Kiffin for years. Here's another. Kiffin. Actually, that was in response to get Norvell or Kiffin and keep Mac as defensive coordinator. That's a grand slam. I don't think you can hire a guy and then tell him who to keep on staff. You can encourage him to interview and talk to the guys. And if he's enamored, but it's got to be the new coach's idea, not your idea. Uh, Lucas in Union says, hands down, it's Mike Leach or Lane Kiffin. Charlie says Tom Allen has the job. Oh, buddy. I, no disrespect intended when I say this, because Tom Allen is a fine man, and he's a really good football coach. I'm not sure there's another name that you could throw out that would be more of a wet blanket on the excitement that exists around the Ole Miss program today in anticipation of what might be to come than by naming Tom Allen the head coach. Again, probably not fair. Tom Allen is a good, good, good human being. And if you look at the job he's done at Indiana, he's a good football coach too. Sad Reb says the Memphis coach, Lane Kiffin, has too much baggage. John and McComb says old. Norvell or Kiffin. Do what? The Norvell over Kiffin because of baggage is dripping in irony. Will in Philadelphia says, as an Ole Miss fan, I would be most excited about Norvell. Ole Miss, please hire Jay Hobson. Sincerely, empathetic USM alum. Oof. Mike Leach, if his own offense and Rich Rods can be combined to actually work. I'd like to listen to Rich Rod and Leach have a conversation. Would you? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. With you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. If you're a farmer with equipment needs, ready to buy a new piece of property, get a uh, a loan 
for your production needs or maybe refinance an existing loan, let Mississippi Land Bank help. MSLandBank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Ceasefire text line, red hot, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Charlie, who mentioned Tom Allen, followed up with, he says, it won't be a wet blanket when you are winning games. And ultimately, that's what this is all about, right? I mean, hiring a new coach is about getting the right guy that helps build your program. However, Ole Miss has got to capitalize on the excitement that exists in the fan base that has not existed since the day they walked away from New Orleans with the Sugar Bowl trophy. And that was January 1st, 2016. And we are sitting on the 4th of December of 2019, about to turn the calendar again. So you are very close to four years since there has been any significant excitement, like really significant excitement, surrounding Ole Miss football. And who's, I mean, uh, what, what what I'm trying to figure out is why people think that, uh, look, it, I guess it's a risk that there's baggage and stuff, but why people think that Lane Kiffin would not win games. Like Tom, I think Tom Allen would win games at Ole Miss. I think Billy Napier would win games at Ole Miss. In fact, I think if that's their third or fourth choice, that would be a great fallback plan. I think he has a, a an upside that's very good. But when when Lane Kiffin's brought up, and people say, no, because of baggage or whatever, are, are they ignoring the fact that the dude has proven that he can coach football? And even though it's a high ceiling, probably low floor thing, he can really coach and you can win games. So you can get the best of both worlds, immediate fan buy-in and excitement, and also a guy that's shown you that he can coach and he can win football games and he can recruit as well. So... For all of his kind of kookiness, and I think there's a little kookiness that goes along with Lane Kiffin, think about what he has done and where he has been. Offensive coordinator at Southern Cal under Pete Carroll becomes the youngest head coach in the NFL in six decades when at the age of 31 he is hired by the Oakland Raiders. A dysfunctional franchise, no doubt. And ultimately, Al Davis and Lane Kiffin didn't mix. That was very much oil and water. And then he gets the Tennessee job. And he ruffled feathers in a short time there and did not make a very graceful exit. But he goes from Tennessee to Southern Cal. So he's been a head coach at a traditional power in the SEC a head coach at one of the top ten jobs in America at Southern Cal, an NFL head coach at the age of 31, paid his penance in the Nick Saban rehab program, had three consecutive offensive players of the year in the SEC, won three SEC championships as the offensive coordinator, and helped bring Alabama's offense into the 21st century, and then has gone back and has won nine or more games twice in three years at FAU, I think. Two conference championships in three years. Well, he's playing for a conference championship this Saturday. That's what I mean. Yeah, he's gone one, to two conference division. championships in Oh, he's appeared in. Yeah, gotcha. 
His bona fides are pretty good. Yeah. And, and, and I guess the point, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to sell you on Lane Kiffin one way or the other. And to be perfectly honest, when you look at the ceasefire text line right now, there's no selling necessary with Lane Kiffin. People are buying with blindfolds on and their wallets wide open. O- overwhelmingly. Whether or not that's the right decision, who knows? Whether or not that's the decision that gets made, who knows? But he didn't accidentally get all of those jobs, and he didn't get all of those jobs because his last name was Kiffin either. Would Monty Kiffin be on his defensive staff if he got the head coaching job at Ole Miss? Surely not. <laughs> he, he's on staff at FAU right now. Not as the coordinator, but as a coach. Well, Would Ole Miss run the Boca, Tampa Boca 2? Raton is a retirement com- community. He lives in Del Boca Vista. Yeah. That would be. And Oxford's a retirement community. If you read those magazines that put lists in them. Yeah, well, I'm not going to buy that as much as Boca Raton. Yeah. Weather's not quite as good quite as often. As you said, he should be able to pick his own guy, but adding his offense with Mike McIntyre's defense, which clearly works, uh, pretty good combination. What would it look like from a recruiting standpoint? Would it be the first time that an Ole Miss head coach will be able to walk into a living room wearing a championship ring that he won? You mean not named John Vaughn? Yes, modern era. Well, hold on, Ed Ogeron had a national championship at Southern Cal. As the defensive line coach. Eh, it just feels a little bit different, you're, you're, right? You're because nits at that point, I feel. But he can. He called the offense. He was the guy that made Nick Saban, that kind of didn't shape Nick Saban, but got him to let his guard down and move his offense into the 21st century and won a championship. These recruits got to see and know that Lane Kiffin did that. Obis has not really had that. Ever. Tyler and Starkville, is it just assumed that Rich Rod is not a candidate? Yes, it is assumed that Rich Rod is not a candidate. Would Lane Kiffin bring Chris Kiffin back? His show cause penalty just expired. Two-year show cause. Somebody says, what about Cutcliffe? What about him? Done a nice job at Duke. It's done a really nice job at Duke. That ship sailed a long time ago. I mean, unless you're talking about Chris Cutcliffe, who is coaching Oxford High School to a state championship on Friday night. All right, attempting to coach Oxford to a state championship on Friday night. Chris Kiffin's done a pretty good job as the defensive line slash pass rush guy at the 49ers. Pretty good unit he's got there. Yes. I don't think he can bring those guys, though, with him. Yeah, probably not. Uh, Please refer to Kiffin as Joey Freshwater. Uh, Casey would like me to uh, stop laughing at you, Rippy. Hmm? She said, please stop laughing at you. Uh, Oh, oh, here you go. This is from Paula. Hey, Rippy, 
What baggage are you talking about with Norvell? It's the second time I've heard that, but no details. Which is kind of the deal, Paula. Eh, not really, but I'm not saying it over air. Details are hard to come by. However, here's what I think you need to know with regard to Mike Norvell. He legitimately is a candidate and may be the guy that is the next head coach at Florida State. He is a legitimate candidate at Arkansas. I don't know at Missouri. I mean, I think they've kicked the tires. A legitimate candidate at Ole Miss. All of these schools use search firms to do background checks and all kinds of vetting. You don't get to the spot where Mike Norvell is in this process anymore if teams are not comfortable with whatever information is out there. Period. Uh, Derek and Greenwood. Biggest question with Kiffin is how long do you really expect him to stay around if he starts winning? Doesn't matter. I think who cares is the answer to that question. If if he builds a program that starts winning, okay. I mean, if he wins with smoke and mirrors and parlays it into another job, maybe you could find yourself in a bad spot. But that's not a bad thing. That for forever, that's been looked at as a bad thing. And nobody coaches in one place all that long anymore. And so if you get a guy that gets things moving in the right direction and wins and leaves the program in pretty good shape for whoever the next guy is, so be it, man. Plus, it's fun to talk about coaching searches on the radio. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. we got more coming up after this. I am not familiar, Borky, with Gonna Be a Catfish Christmas. You don't recognize the voice? I, I was not. I was listening to the words, not really paying to the voice. I'm usually pretty good at this. Jason Aldean. Oh, oh you're gonna feel bad. Who was it? I was. I honestly was not paying attention to the voice at all. You don't recognize this? Steve Azar. How about that? No, I was not on the. It doesn't sound like the same guy singing Can't Wait to Be Me Till Monday. Or Don't Have to Be Me Till Monday, sorry. That's him. I hear it now. The multi-talented Steve Azar. Gonna be a catfish Christmas. You can uh, catch In a Mississippi Minute Thursdays and Fridays on most of these Super Talk stations with none other than Steve Azar. He is, by the way, hosting our... uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day show again this year. That was a lot of fun last year. Um, let's get to the let's step away from the coaching search conversation for a bit. The SEC announced that Tennessee football player Jawan Jennings has been suspended for the first half of Tennessee's postseason bowl game for actions against an opposing player during the Vanderbilt at Tennessee game on November 30th. 3.06 remaining in the fourth quarter, involved in an altercation with an opposing player in which he committed a flagrant personal foul as determined by video review. Some basketball language there. 
suspension consistent with NCAA playing rule 9-6-2. If subsequent review of a game by a conference reveals plays involving flagrant personal fouls that game officials did not call, the conference may impose sanctions prior to the next scheduled game. If only he'd have done a fake dog pee celebration, Pete Thamel would have written a scathing column and said it's just okay that a guy steps on another dude's face. I missed this. Like, was it bare helmet or that bare face? Bear, okay. Oh, yep. with his cleat. With his cleat. Well, he wasn't barefoot at the time. It was during a game. Oh. Surprised Max Kellerman didn't go with the he was asking for it take. <laughs> Jeez. That was what he put on the Miles Garrett thing. Said Rudolph was asking for it. New college football playoff poll came out last night. Alabama tumbled. Here's what you got. Ohio State 1. LSU 2. Clemson 3. Georgia 4. Let's pause there just for a second. If Georgia beats LSU in the SEC championship game, do those four teams... Assuming Ohio State wins and Clemson wins, do those four teams remain the same, but does the order get shuffled around? You just flip-flop LSU and Georgia at two and four? I don't see how that does not happen, right? Yeah, that's probably what happens. As long as they don't take recency bias into account, LSU's resume with a loss in the SEC championship will be better than Utah, Oklahoma, or Baylor's. With that, I agree. Ohio State loses to Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. Do they stay in the top four? If LSU beats Georgia, yes. I think Ohio State's in regardless. What if Georgia beats LSU and Wisconsin beats Ohio State? Do the top four remain the same? Just in a different order. Probably. The answer is yes. I think. And then people Absolutely would lose their minds. Think the answer is yes. But but why would people lose their minds? Because a conference champion with the same record didn't get in. That's what the storyline would be. Not the fact that Ohio State has objectively looked better than Oklahoma and Baylor all season long and Utah. Not that LSU has looked better objectively than Georgia or, excuse me, than Utah or Baylor or Oklahoma all year long, that would be the talking point. As a power well, five... Ricky, it wouldn't be one. You would have two one-loss yep. conference champions not getting in in favor of two one-loss conference non-champions. And that would be the right call. But you know that's what would come. People would clamor about how it's not fair and all of that stuff. But that would be the right move. Never to admit to anyone except himself in the mirror is Greg Sankey pulling his heart out for Georgia on Saturday in Atlanta? Without a doubt. Why? To get two Uh, SEC teams uh, into the playoffs. Yeah, that was dumb. If two SEC teams get into the four-team playoff this year, does it accelerate the move to an eight-team playoff? Yes, sir. Yes, absolutely. Five conference champions, three at large. I think it Something would be like your. I think it would be your model. You think it's five, one spot for a group of five team, and then two at large. 
Yeah, because group of five presidents are involved in this deal, aren't they? On the selection committee and stuff. So they would not agree to something like that without a bone getting thrown their way. By the way, how did Memphis, after their win against Cincinnati, only move up one spot from 18 to 17? They have to keep... There's something about keeping the Big Ten up there. I don't know why. Memphis is ranked behind Iowa. They should not be. No, they shouldn't be. Probably shouldn't be behind... I mean, if Memphis and Michigan played today, who would win? Michigan. Michigan. It'd be close, though. Maybe. Memphis hasn't played a defense close to that all year long. No. Well, J.K. Dobbins made it look like it was no, Memphis University School's defense, but that's a different conversation. All right, so here it is. Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, Georgia, top four. Then Utah at five, which means most likely if LSU beats Georgia, then Utah's in the playoff. But the question comes into play with Utah at five and Oklahoma at six. If Utah beats Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game and Oklahoma beats Baylor in the Big 12 championship game, who gets that last spot? Because Oklahoma's win against Baylor, that would be number six against number seven, is significantly better than Utah getting a win against Oregon. You really love that Utah and Oregon are playing again. Phonetics bold. Uh, Utah against Oregon would be number five against number 13. And that would be Utah's only ranked win. Whereas Oklahoma would have two wins against Baylor. And a win over Oklahoma State. And a win over Oklahoma State, who's currently number 25. So, those are the teams that are actually in play. Then you got Baylor at number seven. If Baylor, okay, so another question. One loss Baylor, right? One loss or two loss Baylor? One loss, and it's that 28-3 blown lead. So, if Baylor beats Oklahoma, does Baylor jump Utah? Because, again, that would be a win against a number 6 team. They also would have a loss to the number 6 team. They should, but I don't think they will. Because They also you, have a win against Oklahoma State. Because if Utah is currently ahead of Baylor, and Utah beats number 13, and Baylor beats number 6, I mean, how much of a difference will that make to have a jump happen, I guess is the question. How big of a deal is that? Beating right, a team so, that's six spots ranked ahead of the other. All right, hey, Dad, give me your opinion. Let's say that Ohio State wins the Big Ten, LSU wins the SEC, Clemson wins the Big Ten. I'm sorry, the ACC. The ACC, yeah. Utah wins the Pac-12, and Baylor wins the Big 12. You're taking Utah or Baylor for the last spot? Utah. I'm going to go with Utah. If Oklahoma beats Baylor and Utah beats Oregon. I'm I'm going to take a one-loss Utah team over the one-loss Big 12 champion. Why? I think they're the better team. Based on eye test or resume? 
it's it's eye test for me. But I mean, I mean the resume. I, you know, I'm okay with that uh, answer. I, I just was was curious. Yeah, I, I think Utah's the better team. Utah's a good football team. Hey, tell that to Feinbaum. And outside of one performance in which they were without arguably their best offensive player in Zach Moss, they've dominated. Dominated. How many seconds of Utah football do you think Paul Feinbaum has watched this year? Zero. Probably not a lot. None. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Christmas time is here. Give a laugh and give a cheer for everybody. Made references to Ed Ogeron and how he has grown as a coach since his time at Ole Miss. Quinn sent us a, uh, a message on the ceasefire text line just a couple of moments ago that said, uh, I'm sure Ole Miss fans loved this headline. Ha. So I clicked on it, and then I started reading. that The headline is, here's how Ed Ogeron's practice management is keeping LSU fresh for a longer season. <laughs> so, yes, things have certainly changed. Then I started reading the story. It's really, really interesting. So the year after Ed Ogeron was fired at Ole Miss, he joins Sean Payton's staff in New Orleans, one and only season. Said he was a little intimidated going into his first coaches meeting. And Sean Payton said to him, it doesn't matter how you got here, you're here now, make the best of it. And so Ed Ogeron studied how the Saints practiced with a 53-man roster, plus a few, was it six practice squad players? In comparison to an 85-man roster with an usual 15 or 20 walk-ons, so 100 guys. And he found the information to be useful when he found himself in the head coaching spot at Southern Cal with only 75 players on scholarship because of their NCAA requirements and liked how it worked, and so he has implemented that practice, that strategy in LSU, it's how they practiced under Ed Ogeron as their head coach. Coaching is one of the few, maybe the only profession where you move up, get knocked flat down, and then move back up like that. Can you imagine Ed being the head coach of an SEC program and then going to be like a defensive line coach or whatever age he was at the New Orleans Saints? Like, granted, people amongst his fan base can probably understand him better down there, but aside from that, not very many people know who he is. Like. Like Sean Payton telling Ed Orgeron to make the best of it, it doesn't matter how you got here. Like that's pretty interesting. Because yeah, normally in every other profession you just go up, 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 or you stay the same. But like what if all four of us tomorrow got gigs that I don't know, ESPN radio moved to Bristol like after nine months, like actually you guys stink and we we're back here or like somewhere else like a year later, that would be Yeah. Pretty harsh reality after like living the I mean, I love this job here, but you get my point. Like, it doesn't happen that way in every other industry. At least, it doesn't seem like. What's another one where that happens like that? Because now he's back. Yeah, not not many. Oh, he's 
Back and better than ever. Not just back, but back and better than ever, yeah. Um, The the LSU practice schedule, what they've done throughout the course of the season, on Monday they have a helmets and shorts and shirts practice. Tuesday is their heavy day. They go full pads, heavy hitting day. Full pads on Wednesday, but they scale it back. Light practice with no pads on Thursday and a short walkthrough, and most of their practices only last an hour and a half. It's worked, and they've got some science to back it up and talking about how they're fresher and faster at this point of the season than they were at the beginning of the year. It's how the NFL practices. You're right. Not just the NFL, but kind of professional sports, period. I mean, the NBA, we're having this conversation with um, Laval Jordan yesterday at uh, at Butler's shoot-around that, you know, John Beeline, who's now the head coach of the Cavaliers, was at Michigan, where was he before that? West Virginia? Yeah. Um, The biggest... The, the, the connection there is that Laval Jordan, the coach at Butler, was on John Beeline's staff at Michigan. We were just talking about it a little bit and said the biggest adjustment for Beeline, he's a practice junkie. Like, that's what he lived for. And they don't practice in the NBA. It's like 10 practices before the season starts where they really get after it and teach and learn. And then it's just like walkthroughs. Yeah. So they might have 10 actual practices for an entire season. Just shoot-arounds and scouting reports is all they do. Now, in fairness, the NBA shoot-arounds are a little bit different than college. They're, they're a little more intense. That They're game day practices. But they have to be because they don't practice any other time. So, And they're playing every other night. Yes. you. Um, Unfortunately for me and my fandom lately, yeah, they play every other night. And well, I, I, my hesitation there was because sometimes you play back to back. Also, yeah. they've done well to eliminate the four and five. Like they've maxed out their window without stretching the season into July and free agency into August and all that. They can't really go anymore spread out. But those back to backs must stink. Finishing out the college football playoff top twenty-five, and I guess this matters in terms of getting into access bowls. The the Big six games. Highest-ranked SEC team not named LSU or Georgia is now Florida at number nine. Which means if LSU and Georgia both get into the playoff, which would take Georgia beating LSU, then Florida is going to the Sugar Bowl. If LSU beats Georgia, then Georgia likely will go to the Sugar Bowl. And Florida could find themselves as another... SEC team, a third SEC team in an access bowl. Probably the orange bowl, if I had to guess. That's that's the situation uh, Mississippi State was in. They were the they, the Sugar Bowl that year was a playoff bowl, and uh, they went that the, the next the next spot down was the orange bowl. Yeah. Um. After that, Auburn at number eleven. Probably also going to make an access bowl, which which is crazy. Incredible. I wonder if I'll get free tickets for beating the drum all year. Maybe. 
Maybe not. Guess hey, Dad, come with me. I'm in. <laughs> Guess who's not going to make an access bowl? The Alabama Crimson Tide. Who's excited about Alabama versus Indiana in the <laughs> Outback Bowl? Who's oh, excited for Alabama-Minnesota in the Citrus Bowl? Probably be Michigan, though, right? At Outback? Maybe. I mean, take who they want. The So, so Alabama... I mean, they could end up in the Citrus Bowl, but that's probably their ceiling. That is their ceiling. But but that would take LSU, Georgia, Florida, and Auburn all getting into either the playoff or one of the six access bowls. Which happened last year. You had Alabama in the playoff and three SEC teams in the access bowls. That's part of the reason that those checks that the uh, SEC teams get every year are so flipping big. Mm. It's incredible. So Alabama yeah, in the if, Citrus Bowl? If Auburn doesn't get to the Access Bowl, they go to Citrus, and then yeah, Alabama's going to like the Outback Bowl or something. Exactly. Which I'd is, like to see Nick Saban in Memphis. At the Liberty Bowl? <laughs> yeah. Sure they might play would. Texas. We could finally get that matchup. Jeez. What? Um... <laughs> I'm just picturing Saban like, at the Duck Walk. At the yeah. rendezvous, or at the uh, the uh, the Peabody, just like, or just for he gets to be Duckmaster uh, for a day. Just for yeah. giggles, they parade that tiger around in the cage behind the truck. What do you think he'd think of that? Oh my god! What an establishment! Things oh. that my seven-year-old son has done that Nick Saban has not been the Duckmaster at the Peabody. He might be taller. True story. True story. So. After that, it's kind of wide open for SEC teams in bowl games. Yeah, and if and you know with Alabama dropping, that sort of helps because I was I was looking at it. I didn't know if the SEC was going to have enough teams to make all the slots. They're not. Yeah, but Alabama dropping down helps though. And if somehow Auburn doesn't get in, that helps. That helps even more. But like right now, I was looking at it. I think. I saw a projection that had USM going to the Belk Bowl because there may not be an SEC team to go there. A great opportunity for Southern Miss. Huge, huge opportunity for them. So, so in terms of bowl-eligible SEC teams, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky out of the East. So that's four. Mm-hmm. You five LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M, Mississippi State. Right. So a total of nine. And you actually had Missouri at six and six, but they are ineligible. Yeah. Not not a year where somebody from the SEC is going to end up in Birmingham. Well, yeah, Birmingham and Shreveport are not are not going to be SEC destination. Like I said, a couple of the t- on that tier of the Outback Gator, whatever, somebody's probably going to miss an SEC team there. I think Belk is the likely choice because this is the last year for the SEC with them. The SEC might just say, the heck with it. You're good. We're, we're good. Yeah. Thanks. Let's just move forward with our lives. Although, I wonder if the Belk is kind of ahead of the Liberty Bowl in the pecking order. Well, that's the thing, though. There is no pecking order here. All these bowls are considered yeah, th- to be on well, the same Yeah, well, I mean, tier. there's I not, know what you're saying. there is. Right. We, we all know there is. Because the Outback Bowl and the Liberty Bowl are in the same group of six games. Mm. And not the same. With no disrespect intended for the good folks at the Liberty Bowl.
We'll wrap up hour number two with you next in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on Wednesday afternoon. Good to be with you. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Ryan Brown will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line coming up at 5 o'clock. Look forward to talking with him from Jocks in Birmingham. He is co-host of the Jocks Roundtable with Lance Taylor and Jim Dunaway. That's uh, coming up in uh, just a few minutes. We owe you a Pearl River Resort pick of the day. Got a bunch of college basketball going on. A little Big Five game happening, uh, tipping off in about half an hour in Philadelphia. You, you, none of you guys are like college basketball junkies, are you? No. I think I know the answer to that question. No, I enjoy it, but I'm a junkie. I college I'm, junkies a bit much. Yeah. Well, okay, so I asked that because Penn and Villanova are playing tonight, which on the surface is like, yeah, right, who cares? But is it at the that Palestra? Whole, that's where I was getting at. I was, I'm, I'm looking right now to see if they're actually playing it at the Palestra tonight. Uh, they are not. They're playing it on Villanova's campus at Fenneran Pavilion. Okay, so I'm less interested. Now, I mean, a great atmosphere, whatever. Uh, but less interested that in that than I might have been otherwise. Not quite the same without that guy at St. Joe's. Been there for forever. Um, Phil Marcelli? Yeah. Yeah. He got king. Big Five took a hit. Took a little bit of a hit. But St. Joe's has not won the Big Five. I mean, they basically have a city championship. Yeah. Yeah, they play kind of a round robin among those uh, teams, and they had but, that yeah, one year. That's what I was going to get for a uh, was getting at for a second ago, though. How if you have a sports bucket list, would attending a basketball game at the Palestra, like Villanova against Temple, be on your list? Mm, no, it'd be cool. I'd go. But it's I've not eaten the cheesesteaks up there; they're really good. Yeah. Hey, Dad, you like that? That's, those That's a bucket dang. list thing. I want to have an actual Philly cheesesteak in Philadelphia one day. I did uh, Geno's and Pat's, both of them. Oh, I would do one both. better I, than I, the I other. Across the I, I was, I was like twelve. I don't quite remember which one was better <laughs> than the other one, but they were both really good. That, I would so, do that across the street. How about Purdue as a home favorite at four and three tonight against seven and zero oh and undefeated Virginia? First one to 45. Not just anybody walks into <laughs> West Lafayette and comes away with a win. No blood, no foul in that game. Um, The total, by the way, in the game is 100. <laughs> the over-under in a college basketball game is, is 100. Is it really? It is. Oh. Absolutely wow. is. That's electric. That means you're going to get a... Uh, I mean, you could get like an 18-16 halftime. Yeah, you certainly could. I'm going Virginia with the Pearl River Resort pick of the day, getting two and a half on the road against Purdue. I don't know if maybe that's a sucker line, but Virginia's just been so good over the last couple of years under Tony Bennett. That's your Pearl River Resort pick of the day. Virginia plus two and a half at Purdue in the Big Ten ACC Challenge tonight in 
West Lafayette, Indiana. How about Ohio State at North Carolina tonight? That's a good game. 8.30 on ESPN. Absolutely watching that one. 7-0 undefeated Ohio State against 6-1 North Carolina. Did you guys happen to see the the beatdown that uh, Duke put on Michigan State in East Lansing last night. Michigan State hasn't really shown up at all this year. I know they've had injuries and yeah, the Cassius wins number one, and it's not not impressive. Not at full strength. Cassius Winston's had a rough go of it. Yeah, that's a good bounce 87, back. Eighty-seven seventy-five. Duke won that game. That's a big bounce back for Duke after that crazy upset. Not yeah. getting too controversial. Much more traditional Duke team this year. Agreed. Like. Last year didn't seem very, like, Duke-ish. Although they've gone more of the one-and-done route in recent years. Right, but last year you just had the three superstars. Like, even Duke, even when Duke's had that, they've had, like, one. Last year you had, like, the three superstars all together, and it was like a show every single night. I preferred last year's version, but... When will we again see mania surrounding one player in college basketball comparable to what we saw with Zion Williamson last year. Probably a long Bronny time. James. That's a Bronny good point. James. How old is he, 12? Uh, I think he's like 13 or 14 now. Okay. So Getting up long. there. And he, he's yeah. on the same, you know, and Dwayne Gotta wonder Wade's about durability. Kid, Dwayne Wade's kid is on the team with him. So, Don't they play on the same team? Yeah, yeah, same team. Hey, here's the thing, though. Rules will change by then, and they'll be able to go straight to the NBA. Possible. You might not ever see Bronny on a uh, college basketball court. College football fix coming up. Ryan Brown joins us next on the Farm Bureau phone line. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm, 5 o'clock hour. College football fix is coming your way in just a few minutes. But right now we go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. That's Mississippi Farm Bureau. Ryan Brown from the Jocks Roundtable, WJOX in Birmingham. Regular guest with us here. Ryan, hadn't talked to you in a few weeks. What's up, my man? I'm pretty good. You guys doing all right? We are. Just three weeks from Christmas. You got uh, all your shopping done at this point? Um, I've done zero shopping. There you go. I am fortunate in that my wife knows I'm really bad at it, so she takes care of anything I would have to buy except for her. So... I've got to, um, what I normally do is consult my mother-in-law and my wife's best friend and find out, um, you know, maybe the five or six things I should get. And that has normally worked well for me. And I will do it again probably sometime around the 20th because I am also a procrastinator by nature. There is a uh, a women's clothing store in Oxford that the owner happens to have really good taste (laughs) and would be happy to help you if that uh, was beneficial. Uh, it seems like a long drive, and um, oh I, no, I, no, we, we we can ship. <laughs> I oh, promise. We ship, okay. We, oh, Absolutely. Now that the word "we" is used. I understand the uh, the the thing. Um, yeah, I um, I am not a brave enough man to buy my wife clothes. Um, I mean, like I know her sizes, but it's just oh man, I don't know. That seems like I'm going down a road that um, I'm not experienced enough to do. I don't know. You you might end up being the hero that you didn't know you were. 
That's true, but I think I can go safer and still be somewhat of a hero. <laughs> I'm willing to be a lesser. I'm willing to be a lesser hero for lesser risk. How about that? There you go. It, it, it's like like some of these coaching searches. There's some high risk, high reward that uh, that is there. Uh, before we kind of dive into the whole coaching search conversation, and I, I'm I'm fascinated to hear. Uh, some of your perception from one state away with some of what's happening in the state of Mississippi. Has the buzz from last Saturday's Iron Bowl worn off yet? Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, it's still kicking. Um, You know, there was an an element of controversy um, in that, so that is obviously going to help that. Um, A lot of Alabama fans are upset about the way the first half ended, though by rule the officials got it right. And Nick Saban himself was um, upset, called it unfair, the way the, not the regulation ended, but the penalty Alabama got that essentially ended the game. And fans have kind of latched on to that one, too. So um, there's just enough controversy in there to keep this thing going. And Alabama fans have had a difficult time, not all of them, uh, to be fair, but the ones that tweet us and call our radio show, a lot of them have had a difficult time handling the fact that you know, they had 13 penalties, um, two pick sixes, uh, the overturn, you know, time back on the clock at halftime and still only lost the game by three and playing with a backup quarterback. And th- those are the those are the things that get thrown up from Alabama fans about that game. All of them are factual, but, you know, you, you shouldn't have had 13 penalties. <laughs> you should have thrown a couple pick sixes. I mean, those, those things happen. You can't undo them. Two, two things here. One, my guess is outside of the Alabama fan community, Crimson Tide Nation, if you will, I would assume that Nick Saban is having a pretty difficult time finding sympathizers with regard to that wasn't fair. Is that accurate? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people enjoyed him saying that because, it, you know, for a lot of people, that made him look like a petulant child, you know, kicking and screaming and saying that's not fair. Um Though he was not that demonstrative about it, I'm just using that as you know as, as a metaphor, obviously. But yeah, I mean, I don't think any, I don't think anybody's going to feel sorry for for Nick Saban. Um, no, I, I don't think he's ever going to get any sort of sympathy from anyone about anything involving football. And then number two, I thought Mac Jones played a pretty good football game. One of the pick sixes was bad. One of them was kind of you got to be kidding me. Did he really catch that off the back and take it a hundred yards to the house the other way? But given the circumstances and the, the situation that he was stepping into, I thought Mac Jones was pretty good. Did, did you agree with that, or do you look at it differently? Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's hard to say that about a guy that throws two pick sixes, but I thought he played a really good game. He had Alabama. He gave them a very good chance of winning that game, and I didn't know that he could do that. I mean, had you told me, had you told me Auburn scored 48 points, now, granted, 14 of those were from a pick six. So let's even back those out and say Auburn scored 34 points, okay? Okay. 34 points on offense. I would have said, boy, Alabama's in big trouble. I don't know that Mac Jones against that Auburn defense at Jordan-Hare Stadium can lead Alabama to 35 points to win that game. Um, and, and there he was. I mean, Alabama had 45 points. Should have had 48 there at the end and forced overtime, perhaps, if Auburn didn't drive it back down. So, um, yeah, I thought he played really well. The two pick sixes obviously were detrimental. Um, the first one was – a misread between he and Jerry Judy. Mac Jones took the blame for that one, and I think you know I'm probably going to trust Jerry Judy in that situation. He read one route, Jones read another. And the second one, he got rushed from Big Cat Bryant, a more experienced quarterback, probably just he's into the bleachers. It's first and goal from the two. 
So you got at least two more plays, maybe three, to try to score a touchdown. Um, and he tried to rush the throw, and it was a weird circumstance. Hit the back of Najee Harris right in Jacoby uh, McLean's hands, and he goes 100 yards. So those those are two pretty weird plays, no doubt. Ryan Brown on your radio from the Jocks Roundtable. How much traction is this Ole Miss coaching search getting where you guys are? Well, Lane Kiffin is still a pretty popular guy where we are. Um, popular for what he did at Alabama among Alabama fans. Popular among everyone because he's kind of a loose cannon that says funny stuff on Twitter and you never know what he's going to do. So he's kind of, I wouldn't call him a cult hero here. For some, I guess he is. So I think anything that involves Lane Kiffin is going to get attention around here. Um, and look, anything that involves the SEC West is. there. You know, People sure. around here, uh, at least our listeners, like Mike Leach. So if they think Mike Leach has got a shot at the Ole Miss job, that's going to, you know, get attention. If they think it's Lane Kiffin, it's going to get attention. So I think on that front, you know, you obviously are interested in anybody that's coaching in the SEC, especially in the West, if you're an Alabama and Auburn fan. But I think the the name Lane Kiffin, and if at all Mike Leach is ever mentioned seriously, I think that will get some attention around here. Yeah, Mike Norvell's name seems to be at, at the first name that pops up. I just got to be honest, and I, I don't know that I've said this exactly on the radio. I know Florida State as a program is not what it has been, and I know there's some issues with the administration there and some financial issues, but Ole Miss beating out Florida State head-to-head for a head coach that both programs want strikes me as kind of hard to pull off when it's all said and done. And so if it's not Mike Norvell – from your perspective and, and seeing him for three years as the offensive coordinator at Alabama and kind of knowing his past, would Lane Kiffin be a good hire for Ole Miss? I think he would. I mean, I think Lane Kiffin learned from his past mistakes, and I think he's done a good job in Florida Atlantic. I mean, you got to look at it. He's going down there in two out of three years. They've played for the conference championship. He did have the one bad year in the middle, but he bounced back to his credit. I think he deserves credit for that. So, And that's a hard job. He learned his... Yeah, Florida Atlantic's not an easy – were you saying Florida Atlantic's a hard job? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Now, you are in a really fertile recruiting base down there in, you know, south of I-4, but it's not the easiest job down there. And he, he's, you know, he's done, I think, pretty well there, especially two of the three years. If you somehow subtract that middle year, he's done spectacularly there, I would say. Um, and I think he matured. I think he's learned from his mistakes. I don't think Nick Saban keeps him around as long as he did. Now, it didn't end great. It didn't end great. But I don't think Saban would have kept him around on that staff that long if he had not matured and if he were not a quality football coach. Now they had their they had their issues. They did. But they managed to make it work, and he's got a great deal of respect for Saban. I think Saban still has uh, a pretty good deal of respect for Lane Kiffin. So, you know, I, that goes a long way with me. I I think he would be an excellent hire. I think he's realized he made mistakes as the USC coach, maybe the Tennessee coach, the Oakland coach, and. You know, he's probably rededicated himself to the things that made him desirable to those places. I've got a guy that knows Billy Napier well and worked as a student around the Alabama program for the entire time that he was in school at Tuscaloosa and is a huge Billy Napier fan and says kind of in that Nick Saban coaching tree, Kirby and Jim McElwain and whoever else you want to put in there, that Billy Napier is the guy that maybe even gets it more than anybody. Now, understanding what Kirby has done and where he is, that may be overstating things. What do you think of Billy Napier? 
Yeah, I didn't know him well um, when he was at Alabama. I didn't really follow him all that closely, to be honest with you. I, I probably missed on him. I didn't realize that he's a guy that would be a head coach that quickly. But everything I've heard out of Tuscaloosa is very, very positive about him. Um, he, he, you know, he got on the bad side of a PR situation early this season. And I think to a certain degree, it overshadowed the way their season went. I mean, that was a really good season at Lafayette, but the whole deal yeah. about, you know, forcing the football players to buy into the alumni association or whatever that was became a headline. And he kind of became, I remember, you know, Reese Davis kind of making him a butt of a joke on, on ESPN game day on week one. So, you know, he kind of got on the wrong side of that PR deal. So I think that overshadowed that a little bit. But I think he did a spectacular job this year at Lafayette. And I'm not going to pretend like I know him well or even followed his career that closely in Tuscaloosa. But once he left there, everything I've heard about him has been very positive. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, always enjoy visiting with you. But don't talk to you again before then. Merry Christmas to you and your family. And uh, talk to you soon. All right. I think you're the first person to tell me that, Richard. So thank you. Same to you guys. There you go. Hey, we're on December 4th. It's time. Talk to you soon, my friend. Do you immediately think of Home Alone when you hear this? No. No, I think it's some recent commercial. A car commercial like Lexus or Mercedes or something like that, the year in sales event? I'm sure almost anybody who uh, like does their lights to music where you can drive by and you know turn it yeah. to a radio station. This song is 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 in their mix there somewhere. It's about as consistent as Brick House being played at a wedding reception. Every single one of those, <laughs> like every single one of those music sync light up houses. That's it. Hey, Dad nailed it there. Well, well played. Uh, is that the Mannheim Steamroller version, Borky? No, that's a Trans Siberian Orchestra. Orchestra. Oh, Trans. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I knew that. They're knew playing that. around here soon. I don't know. I don't know where. But my, my is that a concert is. that you would pay to go to? Hey, Dad. I don't know that I would, but my wife said she might like to go. So she might see if a friend wants to go with They're her. in New Orleans here soon. It must be Birmingham. It must be. That's Where else could it be? I'd be up for a little Trans-Siberian Orchestra concert during yeah. the Christmas season. I'll get you my wife's number. Y'all can go. I don't care. Uh, well, yeah, I'm Keep sure you don't. I, well, I don't that, know if I could sell that at home. Is it a lot yeah. Christmas-type light show as well? Well, it's a big Christmas concert. You know, so it's, it's, like a, it's like a rock show, man. But it's Christmas. Uh, somehow I don't believe that. No, it really is. It's not exactly the Rolling Stones, but no, yeah, we're not, it's, it's not Kiss. It's, just, <laughs> it's dudes with but, electric guitars, though, playing Christmas, Christmas music, hard rock, and there's lights and lasers and all that crap. Yeah, FedEx think, Forum in Memphis. Think the crowd's the same as the Stones? A little bit younger. It's, it's a better crowd than you would uh, expect. Somebody said the concert is awesome. Trans Siberian Orchestra. How about this question on the C Spire text line? Arkansas and Ole Miss are looking at the exact same coaches. Who wins a bidding war? That's from Brian and Clarksdale. Arkansas's got deeper pockets. Hard to dispute that. But yeah, like, I would agree with that. At a certain point, is there a limit to even like how much they would like to spend? Like, like if you get into a bit, I'm just being completely hypothetical. Let's say they just square off in butt heads over Lane Kiffin. Are you really getting in the six, seven million range for you know Lane Kiffin? Even if you have the money to spend? No. So I would believe there's a cap on it with the candidate pools they're looking at. Let, let's say that Mike Norvell is the guy. Whether you're talking about Arkansas and Ole Miss, Ole Miss and Florida State, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Florida State. If all three believe that is their guy 
and they're willing to do, within reason, what it takes. One, where does his salary end? But maybe more relevant locally, what do you think the number is that Ole Miss would go to? What's the number that they would pay if they believe this is the guy? No more than five, but that's probably a stretch. Maybe five. I really don't know, though. It's hard to tell. Money doesn't seem to be real. Not in the SEC, it, it's not. It depends on the coach, though, right? I mean, can you justify well, I mean, yeah, paying I mean, Billy I, Napier I, $5 million? I don't think no. so. But, you know, if you got, if somehow, like we talked about <clears throat> yesterday, if Justin Fuente said, I'm interested, then you could pay that guy $5 million. You. With the Kiffin thing, you could kind of squeeze a loophole. You could, like, 4.5 and a pretty sweet boat deal or something. Get him a slip at the marina at Sardis Lake. He's already got the Probably boat. Probably exactly the same as Boca. Oh, yeah. Had a buddy of mine text me $6.5 million. Ooh. Whew. I don't I don't buy that. I mean, that'd be way more than they've ever paid anyone. <clears throat> what, Hugh Freeze, like, did he get to $5 million? I don't think he got that. I think he was at he was like four, four or eight or something. He and Mullen both were on the same. The the no. thing is when you when he you start there, you start there. Let's say he's successful, right? You know, first year struggles a little bit, but you know he finds some wins and he's seven and five. The next year, hey, we're taking off and you're nine and three. What are you going to pay that guy? Are right, is Ole Miss going to pay a coach seven eight million dollars a year? Doesn't is it? State going to do that? I don't know. With Ole Miss and Arkansas more so than Florida State, hey, I guess you can throw Florida State in there as well. Doesn't it kind of come down to what kind of job you have? If we're talking about Lane Kiffin, if Mike Norvell takes the Florida State job and Ole Miss moves on to option number two, which for the sake of the exercise is Lane Kiffin, and Arkansas's option one is Lane Kiffin, and he's got a choice now. I mean, is, isn't that more so about what job he'd prefer versus – a bidding war because don't you kind of think that Ole Miss and Arkansas would match each other to a point? Arkansas is a little deeper pockets. They they could go a little deeper, I think, if they wanted to. But if, if well, but to, to I, counter I what Haydad was saying about last thing, I agree for the most part. But would like ten years ago, if somebody told you that Ole Miss and State would get to where they're paying a head coach five million dollars a year, wouldn't you have probably laughed? Like it You're just seems right, it yeah. all keeps growing. I don't yeah. know to what degree, and I don't know how much and how far behind Ole Miss and State still are, but like. Like, like, five million seems less ridiculous now than it did ten years ago. To whereas, where does this go ten years from now? Yeah, and the money's going to increase when the television contract changes. I guess it is. Well, you I would mean, think the, so, presumably. I mean, it, it feels like <sighs> CBS just gets a freaking steal, man. <clears throat> well, I they know do. they got Gary Danielson. <laughs> they, they do. All right, so. Here you go, on the C Spire text line. By the way, this is your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Holiday savings sales event going on right now. Up to 20% off on Ford trucks and Ford SUVs. Check out your local Mississippi Ford dealer and see what deal they've got for you this holiday season. So on the C Spire text line, better question, which job is more attractive when you take the money out of it. Well, that's what I was asking is, I mean, yeah. at some point, doesn't it come down to 
Or if it came down to Kiffin making the choice between the two, which one would you expect he would take? This is the same argument we've had a couple of times yeah. throughout this year and in the summer, correct? Well, yeah. that was Whether, like big picture, which job is better? I'm talking like which one would you rather take over right now? Oh, well, probably right. Ole Miss, right? Arkansas is a pretty pretty deep hole to climb out of at this point. Even I would say that Ole Miss right now, short-term <laughs> success, Thanks Ole for the Miss caveat. job. I, mean, I don't I, know how you can look say, at Arkansas If I'm saying right it, now. you can believe it. I don't know how you could say Arkansas right now. I mean, they just... Right, I mean, right. Long-term, well, Arkansas. Next two years, if, especially if you're a coach yeah. that wants to do the stepping stone thing, Ole Miss. I don't even know that long-term it is. Now, Arkansas fans would argue otherwise. I mean, they're looking at revenge games against San Jose State next year. Do they play them? I don't know. Okay, I've not looked ahead at Arkansas's 2020 schedule. You hear their second? I know who their second game is against. Game two, they're at Notre Dame. Oh, oh gosh! They they that do not a... get a revenge game. <clears throat> I forget who their first game is against. Nevada. I, I, it's, it's, Nevada. Okay, so which is not a gimme, by the way. And then they go to Notre Dame, and then they're at Mississippi State week three. Oh man, it's Nevada. Whatever. <laughs> and Utah. Are you sure it's Nevada? Utah? Nevada. This schedule's brutal. They have Alabama and LSU both at home. That means they have road games at Notre Dame, Mississippi State, Auburn, and then Missouri. How many real question is how many games are they playing in Fayetteville? Didn't they play like three last year? I think they're finally out of the Little Rock thing. What a shame. That place is a palace. No, they're not out of the Little Rock. Are they not? They host Missouri there in years when they host Missouri, and when they don't have Missouri, it's I think it's still another SEC team. Plus a game in Dallas or Arlington or Jerry's World, whatever every it is. Every fan, but that counts every other year as a home game, right? And it counted one this year. Because this year was the year where people were complaining, like, look at the home slate. They're playing four games in Little Rock. Two of them are Colorado State and San Jose State. I Look, I just – I've had this – debate or conversation with guys at Arkansas and people that are from Arkansas that aren't necessarily Arkansas fans, by what measure is Arkansas a better job than Ole Miss or Mississippi State? You're by yourself. It, that, that That's the main thing is that State and Ole Miss are in one state together. Arkansas is by itself. And they pay no mind to their other in-state schools. You know, Arkansas is not playing Arkansas State. Like the way they also don't have the in-state recruiting base, and they that's can't true, do what they used to do in the state of Texas. Which I mean, and that's in a lot of ways, me. Texas was in-state for them. But A and M coming to the SEC has hurt Arkansas more than anybody else in the SEC. I said that a few weeks back, and I stand by that. That decision has effectively killed Arkansas. But let's be honest: if they get it rolling, they could still like, like they're not shut out of Texas. No, not shut out. But I mean, they haven't really, shut out they haven't really been good. Since that happened, right? right. Well, right. that and it, it coincided with Petrino uh, deciding he needed he needed to go for a motorcycle ride. <laughs> I mean, you, you got to remember, Arkansas played Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, with Bobby Petrino as its head coach, and should have won that game because Ohio State played about fourteen guys that ultimately ended up with NCAA issues. I think technically but, they did win that game. That, that got that got vacated. I think uh, man, you don't get a win for it. They just the other team doesn't get a win either.
semantics and whatnot. Sports That's Talk Mississippi with you in, in the Renaissance Bank studio. We'll be right back. As a fairy tale, say. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online. I started to say this a couple of times and then never got it out a minute ago. Just talking about Arkansas, and there is no debating that from a booster standpoint, Arkansas has got ridiculously deep pockets. Yes, Walmart money, the Walton family, Tyson Foods, J.B. Hunt trucking line, etc. Don't forget about Jerry. And Jarrah. Jerry got his nephew a start just because he exists. It's incredible. And the what? And the the Stevens family, to some extent, though they're based in Little Rock. And <clears throat> point being, in all that, not all of those entities are wildly giving or are wildly excited about giving money to a bit of a bumbling football program for the sake of buying out coaches. Jerry should hand out Johnny Walker Blue Label to everyone in the stands to watch that. Is that his thing? That is his thing. So like 400 bucks a bottle? Couldn't tell you. Not a uh, Johnny Walker Blue Label connoisseur. Every single fan that went to the game against Missouri should be given one of those. And maybe just a check for $1,000 and a thank you note. Only about $200 a bottle. There you go. Looks like you can do it for... uh... I don't know. There's one for four seventy eight. Hey, Dad, it's a bigger bottle. Let's well, well, sip out of that one. Yeah, that 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 that's got his his mark on it. Yeah. And the thing is, Richard. It. Yeah, two hundred bucks. There you go. They just did this. See the difference, and their pockets are deeper. Whatever the difference between Ole Miss and Arkansas is, Ole Miss had turnover three years ago because the coach resigned in shame, and Ole Miss did not have to pay a buyout, which would have been massive, but they didn't have to do it. Arkansas just paid one two years ago to Brett Bielema and also to an athletic director. Not even two years later, here we go again. Didn't we just do this, guys? Not well, actually, Borky, because the point still stands, but aren't they in a legal battle with some of Bielema's buyout? Not that that they matters are. at all. They I'm still owe him a good bit of it because they claim he's not actively searching for another job. So there, there's a holdup there. But if they lose this grievance, then they got to pay it to them. I mean, I don't think it'll make that much a difference anyway. Like, your point still stands. I was more so curious if that had been settled. Not yet. Eli Manning's career with the New York Giants is not going to end with him sitting on the bench for the final 14 games of the 2019 season. The two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback is, quote, very likely, close quote, to start Monday night against the Eagles with rookie Daniel Jones dealing with a moderate high ankle sprain. That's according to Pat Shermer. Shermer compared Jones' injury to the high ankle sprain that sidelined Saquon Barkley for three games over four weeks earlier in the season. Coach said that Jones' injury is slightly less severe. It could put the remainder of Jones' rookie season in jeopardy. 18 touchdowns, 11 picks, 10 lost fumbles this year for Daniel Jones. And this could have been the week that he was going to have all of his weapons back as Evan Ingram has been dealing with a foot injury and Golden Tate has been dealing with a concussion. Is this a nice bow, potentially, on the career of Eli Manning to end his time in New York? If he can get a couple of wins, that'd be great. And He's got a chance to get over 500 lifetime. <laughs> 
But yeah, no, I mean, if he can get a couple wins and kind of go out and... I don't know if Eli wants another job next year. I, I mean, I have no clue. I haven't read anything about whether he does or not, but this might be a decent audition that he's not you know, a shot fighter. But either way, it's a fantastic career. Oh, he could definitely get a couple wins. So to go to Philly, yeah. host Miami, go to Washington, host Philly. They can win them all. They won't, but they could. No, but to think they go 2-2 two and two is not crazy. Not at and all. Right now, the friskiest of all that are the two against Washington and Miami, as weird as it is to say. Giants 0-2 to start the year with Eli Manning as a starter. They won their next two against the Bucks and the Redskins. Since And those were with Daniel Jones, and everybody got really excited about his play over the first couple of ball games, but since then have... Reeled off eight straight losses. Pat Shermer's going to be gone, right? Yes. Pat Shermer, Matt Patricia, Ron Rivera. You think Patricia's gone? Yeah, that just seems like a disaster. I could be wrong on that, but that seems like, I mean, he, they, they're terrible. Like, the Lions had enough talent to be. You, you were on good board with the Lions early. I was, and it didn't help that Stafford got hurt. But aside, they had that game in Lambeau where they could have gotten to what, like four and two? They were really rolling, and they've just been a disaster since. But other than that. Pretty Kitchens any- will be gone. Yeah. Pro- yeah. He's a clown. I don't, I don't know where anywhere else would Did open. Say Dan that. Quinn? Did you say Dan Quinn? Oh, yeah. Dan Quinn will be gone. Yeah, probably. Black Monday, not too terribly far away. Month it, away. I had somebody, uh, or saw somebody suggest that, I think I said this yesterday, but whatever, um, that the Browns should dump the clown that is Freddie Kitchens and hire Ron Rivera. I think that'd be a great move for them. I saw one about Harbaugh. Oh, that would be terrible. He won in the NFL, he's just rubbed people the wrong way. He won in college, too. Playoff picture going into week 13 of the NFL schedule. In the AFC, you got Baltimore and New England both at 10 and 2, Houston at 8 and 4, Kansas City at 8 and 4. Am I crazy, or did you guys write Houston off a couple of weeks ago? I didn't. I, I said they really... were one of the best teams in the NFL, and I got roasted for it. Now we got. I still really don't buy Houston. They can't run the ball. If they go on the road in the playoffs and not being able to run it at all, I don't buy it. I think Watson's incredible. I don't think the defense is that good. I don't think they can run it. Really good win, though, the other night, though. Like, no sarcasm. I don't necessarily buy it still, though. Buffalo at 9-3. and three, said, so kind I'll of be honest. Say again? I don't remember what I said, so I'll just be honest about it. Um, Buffalo leading the way in the wild card standings at 9-3. and three. Then you got Pittsburgh and Tennessee both at seven and five. Tennessee going to be a playoff team? If they won't, Mike Tom. I mean, if they aren't, Mike Tom should win Coach of the Year because Titans are playing really good ball. But I saw on ESPN's playoff predictor today. Regardless, they have they have the Raiders, they have the Texans twice, and they have the Saints, and they can lose the Saints and Raiders games. And if they beat the Texans twice, their playoff chances go to ninety nine percent. I'm not a math guy, but that seems pretty good. Um, but yeah, I think they got a shot. But man, if Pittsburgh gets a wild card spot with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, like that kind of kills the Tomlin doesn't do anything narrative, doesn't it? Yeah, that was always kind of ridiculous, guys. wasn't it? I mean, if you don't one, have a thing the, uh, in the NFL, you're either John Harbaugh or people say that. We Harbaugh's one on a special team. The text guy. line is uh, hitting us up here six six two. We didn't say Jason Garrett. Oh yeah. He's oh gone. yeah. We, that was an oversight. He's. I think he's toast. So that's six. 
twenty percent of the league. That's generally what happens: six to five to seven a year. NFC side of things: New Orleans at ten and two, Seattle at ten and two, Green Bay at nine and three, and Dallas at six and six. Those are the four teams leading their divisions. San Francisco potentially as a ten and two wild card team. Division's brutal. Minnesota at eight and four, and the LA Rams at seven and five. We got a great Thursday night game this week. Borky and I were talking about it on the podcast: Chicago and Dallas. Like Dallas is still in it just because Philadelphia is atrocious. But like the Bears lose that, they're officially done. By the way, that's now a thing. Brian Scott Rippey and Michael Borky teaming up on a podcast. We are introless again. But I think Will, Will East actually came to save the day on that today. Yeah, that there got go. changed. It's uh, good to know. So you can, uh, for all what your Mississippi State is. news, you guys what? have an intro. I still don't have an intro. Come on. Have you asked for You've had for two one? intros now. Yes. You asked, you've had two intros now, Rippy. This is an embarrassment. Look, hey, hey, Dad, hey, Dad. The deal is this. Yes. There is an email that goes out once a month that says, turn in the copy that you need. Yeah, I figured that out. So it's, all you had to do took is me a little while. type up the copy and send it to that Will, email and, and it'll like, get well, done. This is for hey, ads. I don't, I don't, I'll make I don't know one for is. you tonight by myself if you promise to tag it onto your podcast without listening to it first. <laughs> that seems risky. <laughs> I think you should do that. Absolutely. <laughs> so you can catch uh, Thunder and Lightning with Hey Dad and Joel T. Coleman and uh, the Rebel Report. Name still uh, sticking with that? We're or, changing uh, the name. I don't get how you can get more creative than that. I'm standing by it. So uh, Borky and uh, Rippy with a soon-to-be-renamed podcast, maybe. Uh, what were we thinking the other day, Borky? Deceptive Speed or... That's right. Or what was it? It was Deceptive Speed, Locker Room Guys. That's a good one. Lunch Pail Guys. Something like that. Cowboys-Bears, that's the Thursday night game this week. Both 6-6 six and six in... Chicago. Book ended with uh, the Monday night game with uh, the Giants and the Eagles, which all of a sudden is far more interesting. If you're a Giants fan or an Ole Miss fan or an Eli Manning fan, watching Eli Manning play against the uh, Eagles in Philadelphia, Giants at 2-10, and ten, lost eight in a row, Philly at 5-7, and seven, nine and a half point favorite. Eli Manning should be healthy and rested going into that game. Sports Talk Mississippi. We will.
Super Talk Mississippi media production.